Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas. And well, ladies and gentlemen, I suppose this week I have a lot of explaining to do. Because based on what I said about the Cowboys last week, obviously everybody wants to know what do I have to say for myself this week from the win against the Minnesota Vikings. I think, quite frankly, I have some explaining to do on two particular subjects. Not only this game against Minnesota, but lately, I'm sure you all have noticed I have not been actually releasing previews. Uh, the truth is, y'all, things have been going absolutely crazy, especially with my schedule, you know, all my other shows and some things in my personal life. Uh, I got to be honest with you, some of you have probably already noticed I'm not sounding too good. I've actually been dealing with a serious cold, possibly the flu in the last couple of days. I did get tested. I did get tested for you know what? I tested negative, thankfully. I've just been absolutely sick, but I'd like to tell everybody to please wish me luck that uh, tomorrow morning, I do actually have a job interview for a part-time job. Look, I'll be honest, guys. I just want everybody to know, first off, I just want to assure you that a part-time job, I'm going to make sure that it does not disrupt anything whatsoever. I'm going to work around my work schedule, and I'm going to continue to do my shows like nothing has ever changed, okay? The reason why I am looking for a part-time job is because I just cannot, I cannot Uber anymore, mentally and because you know i put my car through so much and i've i've only had my car for two and a half years and it's to the point where i seriously i need to do some a lot of uh, repairs and i cannot afford anything right now the revenue for my shows are just not they're not good and i can't just you know keep ho hoping for the best each month i gotta get a part-time job to get back on my feet and to kind of somehow stay on my feet look i i want to assure everybody in no way, shape, or form am I quitting on my podcast or am I slowing down. I'm just adding a little bit more challenge in my life because I need some financial backing. And the shows, the revenue, it's it's not doing it for me, okay? It's, okay? So uh, until, you know, everything changes, then I'll just be working part-time. So, so wish me luck. And don't worry, I'll still be here to do the shows. The scheduling might change a little bit. Maybe I'll have to permanently stop the previews. I don't know. But the bottom line is, I'll still be here to do Cowboys Talk. I'll still do Internet FC, Ringside Chaos. I'll still be doing the shows. As far as Arch Rival goes, um, that we'll have to wait and see how things go, depending on my work schedule. But as far as the Bear of Texas podcast goes, ladies and gentlemen, nothing, and I repeat, nothing will change. Perhaps the schedule a little bit, but overall, nothing will change. I promise you that. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, God, I'm so sick. Anyway. Ah. So the game against Minnesota. Yeah. Well, for those of you that tuned into Arch Rivals, uh, the Darnell, a.k.a. the Playmaker, well, he's certainly going to be giving me a hard time this week. Um, you know, a, a little uh, pre-Thanksgiving... Uh, you know, a, a little pre-Thanksgiving pre rant, especially because, you know, I picked the Vikings and he actually picked the Cowboys, although I don't even think he actually said it on the show. <sighs> you know, with everything that went on last week and the fact that Minnesota was coming off a tremendous and dominant and shocking win on the road against the Buffalo Bills, especially the way they won the game and especially the way Dallas lost their game on the road against Green Bay, well, of course I was justify in the fact that I was not having it with the Dallas Cowboys. 
Okay? I mean, look, do I need to remind everybody that the Cowboys blew a 14-point fourth quarter lead on the road to the Green Bay Packers? They couldn't get the job done against a dysfunctional Green Bay Packers team. That same Green Bay Packers team that got a bit embarrassed on, at home on Thursday Night Football against the Tennessee Titans? I mean, do we really have to go there? I mean, the fact that the Cowboys went from that to actually destroying the Minnesota Vikings on the road. And for the Vikings to go from a huge, impressive road win against the Buffalo Bills to go from that to being absolutely demolished and humiliated at home by the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I said this on my Third Down Thursdays recap article. This is a bad case of reverse psychology. Okay? A bad case of reverse psychology because the Vikings go from a dominant and impressive win to being humiliated at home while the Dallas Cowboys go from being humiliated on the road to picking up a major impressive win on the road against a red-hot Minnesota Vikings team that came into this game with an 8-1 record on a 7-game winning streak. And the Cowboys said, well, quite frankly, I don't I mean obviously the Cowboys said we're taking the Vikings down. We've been taking Kirk Cousins down, you know, since since his days in our nation's capital, which is not which is, you know, no, which is definitely uh, true. And uh, speaking of Kirk Cousins, he was sacked a total of seven times. And when I saw the TV screen and it informed me that Kirk Cousins getting sacked seven times is a career high for him. Well, that's the reminder. And that's what I told myself. Well, I didn't see this, you know, in the in the week because I didn't think about it, obviously. But the Dallas Cowboys do, in fact, have a history of bullying Kirk Cousins, especially the defensive line. Okay, now I'll be honest, bullying is probably not the best word because, you know, bullying is a hard word. I used to get bullied, but look, I'll be honest with you. I don't mean it to hurt anybody. I don't mean to hurt, to hurt Kirk Cousins, but the fact that Kirk Cousins was sacked so many times under so much pressure, we can honestly say, yeah, that's a, that, that's a little bit of bullying, you know, by the defense, you know, preventing Kirk Cousins from getting anything done. All right. But like I said, you know, Kirk Cousins getting sacked many, many times in a game against the Dallas Cowboys. Again, this is something that's been happening, and this dates back to his days with the Washington Commanders, okay? So it's nothing new. So basically what I'm saying is a Cowboys defense destroying Kirk Cousins, at the end of the day, it's nothing new. Maybe some of us thought it would be different when he left the Washington to join the Minnesota Vikings. I said there might be some slight changes, but overall, I doubt very much there will be some huge changes, and so far, I have been correct. And I gotta mention, the fact that the Cowboys have now three consecutive road victories against the Minnesota Vikings, of course, last season when Cooper Rush filled in for an inactive Dak Prescott, you know, when, Coop, when Amari Cooper made that catch, and then, you know, the Vikings had a chance, you know, to come like that, you know, on, on the game, on the on the late drive, and then the Cowboys got it done. And of course, uh, in 2020, during that particular season, that Ceedee Lamb catch, that even to this day, I'm asking myself, how in the hell did he manage to catch that? Unbelievable. So, three consecutive road wins for the Cowboys against the Minnesota Vikings. As a matter of fact, I should mention. The Dallas Cowboys are 4-0 at U.S. Bank and Minneapolis, Minnesota. The first win was back in 2016, and that's when Sam Bradford was actually the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. I remember that game very well. This was in the 2016 season when Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott were both rookies. And after that, you know, it wasn't until 2019 when the Cowboys met the Vikings, and the Vikings came to Arlington, Texas, and... 
you know, had at one point had a 21-0 lead against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys came back but lost 28-24. And since then, the Cowboys have, again, taken three straight wins against the Vikings, you know, on the Vikings' home turf. So, you know, my good buddy, Mr. John Misak, kindly reminded me that Mike McCarthy has a very, very good track record against the Minnesota Vikings. And in Mike McCarthy's case, this, this dates back to his time when he was coaching the Green Bay Packers. Now, and and John actually uh, enlightened me on this, you know, on my latest session of... Uh, of our tribals football. And, you know, here I am thinking that Darnell, the playmaker, is going to give me a hard time this coming week. Well, I'm sure John Misak is thinking about it as well, but I'll be honest with you. Maybe I do deserve it. <laughs> but then again, let me go ahead and say this right now. I'll shut my mouth if the Cowboys can actually get it done on Thanksgiving, and we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. Yeah, so going to this game, I really felt that uh, the Vikings, I mean, I, I kind of already found it. The Vikings are going to destroy the Cowboys. And this is probably the part where, where uh, I kind of say to myself, well, what we're going to say, what do I have to say for myself now? I'm like, okay, here we go. The Cowboys proved me wrong. I mean, you know what? Maybe I should say this. Maybe they got the message last week. Maybe my episode of Cowboys Talk when I had my boy MJ Hurley shout out to Third Down Thursdays. He's the co-owner and co-host of Third Down Thursdays. You know, he was on the show. That episode I did with him, maybe uh, maybe he got back to them or maybe the Cowboys just decided to get their act together. I mean, this particular game, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of unanswered questions, okay? Number one, did the Minnesota Vikings thrive and focus too much on their win from last week? Did they underestimate the Cowboys? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Did, did the Vikings just have a bad day? Did they just, you know, were they arrogant? Did the Cowboys get their act together? Or maybe maybe did, did the Cowboys prove that last week was in fact a fluke? Again, a lot, and I do mean a lot of unanswered questions. Alright? But the bottom line is, while there are a lot of unanswered questions, the bottom line is the Cowboys got the job done when I, the Bear of Texas, had zero faith in this team going into this game. I did not think that there was any possible way whatsoever that they would get the job done. And amazingly and miraculously, they did that. They proved me wrong. At the same time, while it's definitely a little bit embarrassing and humiliating for me, I'm glad because I want the Cowboys to prove me wrong. I want Dak Prescott to prove me wrong. I want Zeke to prove me wrong. I want Mike McCarthy to prove me wrong. And God damn it, I want Kellen Moore to prove me wrong. Now speaking of Kellen Moore, see, this is definitely where Darnell is going to put his hands, you know, his hands on his on his head, and say to himself, "Oh God," because. This is another one of those games where he's going to tell me firsthand that I better not say anything bad or critical about Kellen Moore. Well, sorry, Playmaker, but I saw a couple of plays that were, again, questionable. Those side-to-side you know, side -side passes like that. Yeah, a few of them, but overall, the offense did a good job. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's not even worth it to mention Kellen Moore as far as negative play calling goes. But just aside from a few bad plays, Kellamore did a fantastic job. And he did such a good job that those very little bad you know, play calling overall on the track record, it was basically just a few mistakes. And again, 
If offensive coordinators can't be perfect, even the best one make mistakes every now and then. So Kellen Moore had an outstanding game, and he deserves credit for it. Mike McCarthy also deserves credit. As far as credit goes, the entire Dallas Cowboys deserve credit because they won the only way they can possibly win. And ladies and gentlemen, that would be as a team. The offense did offense did their job. I can't believe I just said office. The offense did their job. The defense did their job. The special teams did their job. The coaching did their job. Everybody did their job. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the true art and concept of teamwork. You know, I swear to God, when the Cowboys season ends, and hopefully if it ends on a, on a very good note, if the Cowboys have a deep run in the playoffs, which I'm seriously hoping for, even though I said it's very, the season's very likely over, I really have a feeling that I'm going to have to do an episode and fully apologize to Brett Maher. Okay. Brett Maher has done absolutely amazing. A whole lot better than I could have anticipated. In this particular game, everybody remembers this. If you watch the game, you know exactly, and I mean you know exactly what I am talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about the time where the referees, yes, that's right, the referees actually iced Brett Maher on a 60-yard field goal to close out the first half. So how it went, okay, the Cowboys are driving down the field, Dak Prescott scrambles and then throws a deep pass and and CeeDee Lamb amazingly manages to make the catch. Well, Speaking of CeeDee Lamb, I swear to God, another fantastic memory on the road against Minnesota. He did it last year, I'm sure, of course, two years ago in uh, 2020, that catch that we still, uh, that we still, uh, you, you know, talk about how the hell did he make that catch. You know, even my good friend and my mentor, Mr. Steve Adams, who's a, you know, of course, you know, native Minnesotan, loves the Vikings. Uh, uh, I can't imagine how, I uh, can't imagine how difficult this is for him, but of course, also my other buddy, Mr. Carson Babini. But anyway, I mean, even Steve himself and even Carson, you know, still ask themselves how that catch was made. But being that, being the gentlemen that they are, being the guys that they are, that they know very, very well as, um, you know, a great knowledge of in, in this game, you know, um, you know, they're giving the credit to where credit's due, and I'm sure Carson and Steve feel the exact same way. But anyway, so Ceedee Lane made that catch, and then I just found it amazing, and I do mean amazing that. Brett Maher makes the makes the field goal, but then after that, the referees decide to go back and review that catch. You see, at first, I was incredibly furious, incredibly furious, because they waited that long to actually review the damn play. They couldn't review it immediately. So then they review it, and the catch was, and and I was actually surprised that the uh, the, the ruling on the field uh, was confirmed that it stood. Okay, so that was. That was the surprise, okay? But the fact that, <coughs> excuse me, that Brett Maher was able to once again convert the 60-yard field goal? Huh. Oh, now that, ladies and gentlemen, that was a thing of beauty. An absolute thing of beauty. Now, here we are talking about you know, the, first, the, the World Cup just started, you know, and what a, oh, what, what a bad game, you know, the opening game, Ecuador versus Qatar, you know? It's funny, the first day of the World Cup, and we see Brett Maher kick, a, kick two 60-yard field goals. The first one had to be canceled because the referees decided to ice him and go back to, re- to review a previous play, which I don't understand why they didn't do it immediately. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I, at this point, does it really matter? Anyway, 
so so the fact that that's the Brett Maher kind of really takes uh, the spotlight as far as making a brilliant kick and kicking a goal, <laughs> you know that's actually very very interesting indeed. So Brett Maher make does it again and. It wasn't even close. I mean, it made it absolutely so amazing that, you know, like that. So, you know, Brett Maher was kind of like, huh, not even the referees could stop him. And I kind of feel like, you know, I said on Twitter, at first on Twitter, I asked myself, why why would the referees do it like this? Why couldn't they review it immediately? But it didn't matter because Brett Maher made the field goal and the Cowboys went in halftime with a 23-3 to lead. So in my honest opinion, you know, and Brett Maher, I think, now holds the NFL record for most field goals from the range of 60 yards or more. I mean, that is incredible. So you know, we'll never forget that 62-yard that uh, field goal he made back in the 2019 season uh, at home for the Cowboys against Philadelphia. I believe it was 62. It was definitely between 60 and 65 yards, but if I were to take a wild guess, it was 62 yards. <coughs> Excuse me. So Dallas has the lead at halftime, okay? But the way this game started, when the, when the Vikings won the, won the toss and elected to receive the ball, and, you know, on a third down, Kirk Cousins is, is, you know, chased and sacked by Micah Parsons, and that turns out to be a strip sack. The Cowboys recover the ball. <coughs> I thought this was actually the huge start that the Cowboys needed, but, you know, this was a little bit similar to last week when the Cowboys made a strip sack on Aaron Rodgers but failed to score. You know, and the situation was a bit different because the Cowboys kind of had the ball in per, in perfect uh, field position, but only settled for three points. And then I was already like, "Well, there you go, another uh, there's a, there's another wasted scoring opportunity." <coughs> Guys, I so deeply apologize for my voice and my constant coughing. I'm just extremely sick, and I'm still here doing the shows because you know the show has to go on. <laughs> Anyway, and, I, and again, I, de- I deeply apologize. And for those of you that said their thoughts and prayers and everything, I really do appreciate it. So anyway, so the Cowboys have a 3 nothing lead. And I'm like thinking, well, this is going to be a long night still. I mean, the Cowboys have one lucky... <coughs> the Cowboys have one lucky break and they came and take advantage of it. And then the Vikings drive, drive down the field. And then, you know, a couple of uh, penalties, you know, on the Cowboys defense... Gives the Vikings a bit of an edge, but the Vikings, you know, fail to, uh, they end up failing to take advantage of it, and then, um, it, it's 3-3, three to three, and then I'm thinking, well, it appears that we now have a game, and this, you know, could be a very, very long night for the Dallas Cowboys, but, so then the Cowboys all of a sudden are driving down the field again, and then I'm kind of like, I'm, 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 you know, I'm looking at the TV screen, you know, with, uh, with a glass of orange juice, and, uh, Everything like that, you know, to kind of get, get my cough down, okay? And I'm thinking, okay, so the Cowboys are driving, but I wouldn't be surprised if the offense sputtered again and the Cowboys have to either pump the ball or settle for six points. But the Cowboys actually, believe it or not, managed to make it 10-3. to 3, So I'm like, okay, it's 10-3. to 3. I wouldn't be surprised if, <coughs> excuse me, if the Vikings you know, tied the game. But after that... It was all Cowboys. I mean, 13 points in the second quarter, two touchdowns in the third. I mean, it was 37-3. 37-3 at the end of the third quarter, okay? Now, I'll be honest, selfishly, I... <coughs> excuse me. I really thought, I really hoped that the Cowboys maybe would score a couple more touchdowns, but there was really no need at that point to keep the start. <coughs> 
Oh, sorry, guys. Oh. There was really no point to uh, keep the starters in. You know, Micah Parsons even looked banged up. You know, he was briefly in the blue tent, but thankfully he came out and he came back in the game. You know, it, it was. It, it, I found it so interesting that the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings, he actually pulled out Kirk Cousins before Mike McCarthy pulled out Dak Prescott and put in Cooper Rush. You know, so very, very interesting indeed, right, you know, from that particular position. But, but I digress. But honestly, you know, seeing, uh, you know, just Dallas, you know, drive down the field and the Vikings, you know, getting nothing. You see this Cowboys defense look, defense look absolutely amazing. You know, I was shocked. I mean, the biggest shocker is, is that, you know, Justin Jefferson, who had that tremendous game against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, that catch, he goes from that and only had three catches for 33 yards. I mean, <coughs> you know, the fact that he, you know, briefly emerged on the scene, but then disappeared, you know, and Skip Bayless reminded us that last year. Against the Cowboys, Justin Jefferson only had two catches for 21 yards. So, you know, I was really... <coughs> Man, I just can't stop, guys. I'm really sorry. You know, the fact that, you know, I was really thinking we were going to see a heavily a heavily contested game between Trayvon Diggs and Justin Jefferson. And those two guys know each other very well from their days playing at the in the SEC in college football. You know, Justin Jefferson playing at LSU while... Uh, Trayvon Diggs played in, in Alabama, but, you know, Trayvon Diggs just, you know, Justin Jefferson just briefly was there and then was gone, and, you know, a, a, little, a little other reverse psychology has that great game against Buffalo mixed, you know, arguably the greatest catch of the century, but then disappears against the Cowboys. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, you know, and, and Skip Bayless, the fact that Skip Bayless, you know, is the one who reminds us of that is just, you know, absolutely hilarious. So, I mean, the Vikings' offense was just, you know, completely shut down. I mean, you, you look at the team's stats, okay? You look at this, the team's stats. You, you compare, and, and the way I'm comparing them both is, you know, from the, from the total offense from both these teams, okay? You make the comparison, you really look at yourself, and you, it, it, it is completely shocking, the Cowboys have 458 total offensive yards, while the Minnesota Vikings only had 183. I mean, what does that tell you? Huh. you know, for me, you know, to me, the fact that Justin Jefferson just, you know, you know, only had three catches for 33 yards, and th this was at the beginning. This was probably, you know, in the in the first uh, within the first three offensive drive for the Minnesota Vikings. You know, the Vikings finishing. 1 for 11 on third down efficiencies. And while Dallas was 12 for 17 on third down efficiencies. Ugh. I mean, this whole game, I get again. At this point, I think we're in a terrible case of reverse psychology. Because Kirk Cousins finishes 12 for 23 for only 105 yards. Dak Prescott was nearly perfect. 22 for 25 for 276 yards and two touchdowns. Zeke Elliott... Actually had less uh, had less yards than Tony Pollard. Both both those guys had 15 carries. Pollard had 80 yards while Elliott only had 42. But Elliott scored twice, two running touchdowns. While Tony Pollard had six catches for 109 yards, and and he had two touchdown catches. Huh. Oh, both of them were amazing. I mean that 68 yard one. 
Oh, that, that was absolutely incredible. And speaking of Tony Pollard, he's the fourth player since 1990 with at least 75 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards and two touchdown receptions in one game. Okay? He joins the likes of Joey Galloway, who did it in 1995, Todd Gurley five years ago, and LaDainian Tomlinson, who did it in a game against Detroit in December of 2003. You see right there, like, you see what happens when you give Tony Pollard the opportunities? You give Tony Pollard the opportunity, you trust him, you place your faith in him, all you do is give him a chance, he will give you positive results. So I hope the Cowboys learn from this because Tony Pollard is going to be a huge factor, a huge asset in the game on Thanksgiving against the New York Giants. But folks, believe me when I tell you that right now. And speaking of this win, the 37-point win, Dallas's 37-point win is the largest margin of victory on the road in Cowboys franchise history. Okay? The biggest one in franchise history. <sighs> you know, that right there, honestly, I mean, Whew. You know, at first, Cowboy, Dallas Cowboys Public Relations, you know, said that, that it was the second one, but it was actually largest because they mentioned that in 1968, when the Cowboys destroyed the Detroit Lions, you know, by that certain margin, it was actually at home. So Dallas's 37-point win today on the road is the Cowboys' largest road victory in franchise history. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, and, and Brett Maher actually, you know, made one kick from 50 uh, yards and... He's basically, uh, this this season, he's at seven field goals for 50-plus yards. So, I tell you, Brent Maher's been doing, doing a whole lot better than anybody anybody could have anticipated. And, you know, Micah Parsons had another uh, multi-sack career game, and he's got, I think, got eight now. And he's the third player since 1982 to have, like, at least eight multi-career uh, sack games within the first 26 career games. And he joins the likes of Alden Smith and Sean Merriman. All right, so... So this, this game is quite memorable. It is quite memorable indeed. And, <clears throat> you know, speaking of a fantastic catch, Noah Brown had that tremendous catch that, you know, I, I can't really descri describe it right here on this particular show. I mean, I, I would just encourage you to watch the highlights and, and look up that particular catch because that catch is going to tell you something. But, you know, the fact that the offense was just, you know, so nearly perfect, you know, right now I'm even asking myself, how many times have the Cowboys even punt? The Cowboys punted twice. The Cowboys punted twice, you know? and now I'm really looking to see how many times have the Vikings punt? Seven times. Seven times. And Greg Joseph, the, the kicker, is the only player that gave the Vikings any points. You know, after that, you know, after that, those three points, I don't think the, I don't think the Vikings even ever came close to the red zone. I don't even think they even came close to the end zone. I mean, this Cowboys defense shows up, and, and this is the defense that I need to show up. So, forty to three, and keeping the Vikings, you know, out of the end zone. You know, that's two games now where the Cowboys have finished a game without allowing a touchdown. So, that's huge right there. But all the numbers and the stats, I mean, they all speak for themselves. I mean, the fact that Tony Pollard. Was the leading catcher in this game? Six catches for 109 yards. And C. Lamb, five catches for 45 yards? I mean, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? I mean, the, the running game, you know, is pretty significant. But but the offense just, you know, marched and almost as if it was no problem. And 
And you know, unless I'm I'm incorrect, I don't I don't even remember Dak Prescott even getting sacked. Huh. Nope, he was not sacked. So several several games in, the, in in this season, the offensive line has not has not allowed a sack, and the offensive line was one of the biggest causes for concern going going into the season. But the offensive line has actually been doing a whole lot better than I ever could have anticipated. So it's basically a huge sigh of relief. Kirk Cousins once again sacked seven times. Seven times. Vikings now oh and, uh, now eight and two. And the Cowboys were seven and three, and the Cowboys were back in second place. And the Giants, you know, lost at home to the Detroit Lions, while the Washington Commanders, you know, easily defeated a uh, the Houston Texans. So, man, this, the NFC East has just become becoming a, an extremely extremely interesting. Uh, Division, and I'm taking a look at the though the win against Buffalo, Kirk Cousins out 30 for 50, 357 yards, and of course Dalvin Cook had 14 carries for 119 yards. Jefferson had 10 catches for 193 yards. I mean, none of this happened today against the Cowboys. You know, again, all the unanswered questions. You know, all, all the possible theories. But the bottom line is the Cowboys got the job done, while the Vikings just literally shit the bed big time and. I mean, the, the Vikings, you know, still, you know, fortunate for them, you know, with the Packers losing, but with the Detroit Lions winning, you know, that the, they're still, you know, on, on a very, you know, convincing lead. I mean, the Lions are on a three-game winning streak. You know, the Lions are now 4-6, and six, while the Packers are 4-7, and seven, and the Chicago Bears are 3-8. and eight. The Bears are on a four-game losing streak now. So, is the Vikings still maintain a comfortable lead in the NFC North, but... But, you know, they're going to have to get it together. And quite frankly, right now, if the Cowboys keep winning and the Vikings keep winning, we are really truly in for a rematch in the playoffs. And I wouldn't be surprised if the rematch was again in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So right now, all the Dallas Cowboy fans that are basically celebrating, you know, that are overwhelmed and like that, I wouldn't celebrate just yet because right now I sense that a possible rematch in the playoffs between Dallas and Minnesota could be in the making, so until then, Cowboys can sell, can tell, Cowboys can have the win right now, but uh, we might be seeing something different in the playoffs, but right now we got to see if the Cowboys, yeah, that's right, the Cowboys can actually even make the playoffs. Cowboys are in second place, but tied with the New York Giants in the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles are 9-1. and one. You know, Got that, you know, that one-point lead on the road against the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts, you know, led for most of the game, so that kind of tells me something. But, you know, the Cowboys, you know, the game against the Giants coming up on Thanksgiving, I mean, that's a must-win for the Cowboys. That is a huge must-win for the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys are very likely going to have to win out the rest of the, win out the rest of the season, you know, to maintain, you know, a possible playoff berth. You know, right now, the Cowboys can certainly beat the Eagles at home, but... The NFC East right now very likely still is, you know, rightfully, you know, Philadelphia's right now, but and Philadelphia is very unlikely to relinquish it, but we'll have to wait and see. But you know, right now for the Cowboys, they gotta keep winning at all costs. And they have to win on Thanksgiving. They have to beat the New York Giants at home on Thanksgiving. Because here's a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, the Dallas Cowboys have not won on Thanksgiving since 2018. 2018, that's four years. So the Cowboys need to go back on the winning streak and they need to keep on it. 
looking at the schedule moving forward for the Cowboys uh, after the game on Thanksgiving. The Cowboys will have the Indianapolis Colts at home. Then after that, the Houston Texans will be in town before they go on the road to take on Jacksonville before once again being at home against Philadelphia for the final home game. And the Cowboys finish out the final two games of the season on the road against the Titans and against the Commanders. So the schedule does look a bit more challenging than, than it does. The Cowboys need to go in out and win out all the games possible, even beat Philadelphia and, and, and like that, in, in order to not only secure a playoff spot, but to so, somehow take the NFC East from the Eagles. But, ladies and gentlemen, as far as the Cowboys winning the NFC East again, it's very likely not going to happen. But if it does, I'll be here to take responsibility, and you guys know it. Ladies and gentlemen, before I let you go, I'd like to remind you that Cowboys Talk is proudly brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is your number one place for fan apparel. Fanatics offers over 500,000 items from all the top brands from the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, and so much more. If you are looking to shop at Fanatics, just find Cowboys Talk's links in the episode description. You can take advantage of the best deals in the world, and you can get your sports merch. And for all you pro wrestling fans... WWEShop.com is part of the Fanatics experience. So if you're looking to shop at WWEShop.com, just find the link in the description. You can get your pro wrestling merch. And again, you can save a lot of money by taking advantage of the best deals in the world. And Cowboys Talk is also proudly brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Stream live sports and your favorite shows from CBS, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, and so much more. Plans start at just $4.99 per month, and you can cancel at any time. Subscribe now. You can even get a free trial. So if you find the link in the description, you can click on it. You can set up your account in less than two minutes, and you can start binge-watching your favorite shows, and as well as live sports. And ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to announce to you that Cowboy Sock is also proudly brought to you now by Lids. Lids.com is the leader and number one destination for hats, gear, and everything that moves you. Represent your team, your town, and your style with a snapback, adjustable strapback, or beanie from thousands of college and pro teams. If you are looking to shop at Lids, just find the link in the episode description, and you can also save a lot of money with Lids by taking advantage of some amazing deals. And ladies and gentlemen, Cowboy Stock is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Thank you all very, very much for joining me today. And I will see y'all next time.